International headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the greater Nashville area, right here in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart. This is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. It's our joy to welcome you today. It's Thursday, and you know the month is about to come to an end. we got one more day in August, and we're just thankful to the Lord for the blessing we have every day of being right here on this station, spending some time with our friends out across North America and around the world. And we're thankful that wherever you join us, we are having the opportunity to feed the Word of God to you and to do some things that we trust will help you. Now, today we're going to begin another message, and this one is entitled, So Much the More. And it's taken from Hebrews chapter 25, and that phrase right out of the text, and we'll look at it in just a moment. Just to remind you, November 10 and 11, Sword of the Lord Men's Conference is coming. That's a Friday night and a Saturday, and it will be a very special time. Go to the Sword website and check out the details. In the meantime, let's get right to the message today. This is entitled, So Much the More, and it's part one of the message. I appreciate you being here. And if you'll take your Bible and turn, please, to Hebrews chapter 10, I want to hit the ground running. In verse 19 of this 10th chapter of Hebrews, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke into love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another... And look at this little phrase, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now these six verses that I have just read can easily be divided into three little paragraphs. In verses 19, 20, and 21, the subject is salvation. And what he says is that all of us who are, in fact, brethren in Christ, that is, all of us who have been born into the family of God and are saved, all of us who are in, got in by the same avenue, we came in the same way, our entrance is by means of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not in because that we're popular or because we're pretty or because we have possessions. We're not in because of who we know, where we've been, what we've done. We're not in because that somebody acknowledges that they know us. We're not in because that we're able to put up a pretty good front and do a lot of nice things. We're not in because that we, you know, are taking good care. I mean, we have little ladies across the street and, you know, uh, uh, giving to the Red Cross and paying our Blue Cross and not being cross. It's, it, that's, not, that's not why we're in. We're not in for that reason. We're in because of another cross on which the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was shed for sinners like me and you and like all of us. 
And he makes very clear that salvation is accessible. That is, we enter into salvation. We enter into the family of God. And all of that is afforded to us by means of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, what does it take to wash away the sin stain and the sin debt and the, and, and the sin that a person has in their life? What does it take to clear that record? Well, you know, some people have the idea that they can use soap and water and clean up anything. The other people have the idea that they just take somebody to town, put a new suit of clothes on them, buy them new shoes, comb their hair, give them a bath, that uh, everything will be fine. The fact is, sin puts a stain and it puts a taint on a person's life that cannot be removed with just some ordinary cleanser. It takes something of an eternal consequence, and God designed a plan whereby that men and women and young people, all of whom are sinners, could get their sin debt removed. And so they could go to heaven when they die. And that plan is very clearly described here as a new and a living way, which he consecrated for us by means of his flesh. That is, he by his body, put his body upon the cross. And the Savior died on the cross, and he was buried, and he arose from the grave. And the Bible tells us again and again that when he did that, he paid the sin debt the debt that you and I owe that we could not have paid in a thousand lifetimes had we had it to live. But he paid it for us. Now if you look at verse 22 and 23, there's a second subject brought up here, and that is the matter of confidence and assurance of salvation. The fact is that those who are saved, everybody who gets saved gets saved by means of the blood of Christ, and everybody who is saved is secure in Christ. If you have a salvation that you can lose, you do not have the salvation that God gives. Because the salvation that God gives is not something that can be removed just like you'd pull a nail out of a board. It's not something that can be removed simply because you do something that disappoints God. Uh, Betty and I have two children. They're grown now. They have, each of them have two children of their own. So we have uh, two kids, two little in-laws and four grandbabies. And uh, our daughter was born first and then our son and uh, our daughter, I mean, she was the type of child that almost from the time that she was born, you could just look at her and kind of nod your head, and she'd go do whatever you said. Our son came along, and it was a whole different story. I mean, he would stand across the room and almost defy you to force him to do what you had told him to do. It was very challenging. And, uh, but I discovered that even with the compliant child, as well as with the one who was totally non-compliant, that they both had a similar problem. I mean, even with the compliant child, I discovered that there would be times when, uh, you know, we would have something, we'd have something happen, you know. Oh, did, did you drop that? Did you, did you break that? Oh, no, no, I didn't, I didn't break. You say, well, why? how is it that your three- and four-year-old children will start, I mean, I mean, I mean, how many of you ever sat down and said, now, son, daughter, I'm going to teach you to lie? You know, you, you don't have to teach them to lie. You have to teach them not to. And you say, well, look, why, why is it that, you're, that your kids, why is it, uh, with those darling little granddaughters, why, why is it that, that they will do things like that? I tell you what, I got it figured out. They are kin to their mother. And their father. I figured that out. And what I discovered is my neighbors have the same problem. 
and their neighbors have the same problem, and I discover the people in Tennessee have that problem, the people in Maryland have that problem, the people in Florida have that problem, the people down in the Caribbean have that problem, the people in Asia have that problem, and everybody has that problem, and what we all need is to come to Christ for salvation and get what God can give to deal with the sin problem that you and I have. In fact, is we, we cannot help ourselves on that. I mean, we can invent all kinds of creative problems. We can go through rehab. I mean, we can do all kinds of things, but we cannot fix that. But God can fix it. And when God fixes it, he gives us a salvation that doesn't uh, get away from you. It doesn't slip off from you some night in the middle of the night. It doesn't get away from you simply because you do something that disappoints God. And when those kids that God gave us, whenever they did something wrong, they were still my kids. Those little granddaughters of ours, when they do something wrong, they're still our granddaughters. We don't toss them out of the family. Are you trying to say that you think I'm a better father than God is a father? No, God knows more about being a father than I will ever begin to tap into. And what I'm saying to you is that the salvation that God gives is an eternal salvation. You didn't get it because you deserve it, and you don't keep it because you deserve it. But God who saves you through the Lord Jesus Christ also keeps you saved. Now, you say, well, that means I can just go out and do anything I want to. I'll tell you what, you get right with God and your want to is going to change. And if you don't get your want to to working right and you go out and decide to do a bunch of junky stuff, if you are saved, the, the Lord knows how to beat the devil out of you too. Amen? I mean, he knows how to take a stick and straighten you out. You say, well, I don't believe in corporal punishment. Uh, well, uh, God does. And so I would suggest if you're saved, get your act together and, and try doing it the family way, as God would have you to do it. So in this chapter, we have first the topic of salvation, then the topic of security and assurance so that we're on solid footing and we know that we're saved. And then in verse 24, he talks about fellowship when he says, give attention one to another, promote one another, stimulate works that are good. I mean, fellowship and work together as the sons and daughters of the living God. Get yourself in sync and in unity and in fellowship together with some other people that have also been saved by the blood and are sure in Christ. And of course, that's where the church comes in to provide that uh, cohesiveness and that unit of fellowship like we need. You say, well, if we're going to walk together and serve together and be what we ought to be for God, there's going to be some things that are not going to happen right. They're not going to work right. I'm going to try to serve God. I'm going to set out to do what I ought to do. But boy, I know something's going to go wrong. Or you're going to say, I tried that and something did go wrong. When you set out on purpose to try to do right, to try to help somebody, to try to do a good turn, just felt like you were walking with God and serving God and doing what you ought to do, and somehow it all came crashing down on you. Somehow it got all messed up, and somehow trying to do the best you could do, it cost you more than you ever dreamed. You said, hey, verse 19, 20, 21, I'm saved. Verses 22 and 23, I'm sure that I'm saved. Verse 24, I know that I've got some other folks that I'm in fellowship with, but there's things happening. The world is full of darkness. There's all kinds of crazy things going on. There are people clamoring for my attention, and I don't know right from wrong. I don't know front from back. I don't know what to do. What do I do? Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more. And everything is breaking down. Remember the verse. When you lay awake at night, not sure where to turn, remember the verse. Now, there are three things in this verse, and look at them real quickly. Number one, 
The devil always has an alternative, an angle that he's working on you. He always has an angle. This verse says, as the manner of some is, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. That's, that's saying the devil provided an option for some, some folks and they took it. Some folks looked at something other than God's way and they went that way. But he says, don't follow the example and the alternative that the devil offers to you. Listen, the devil's working an angle. He's always working an angle. He's got an angle. He's after me. He's after you. He's after your family. He's after your kids. He would like to destroy your life, your influence, your testimony. He would like to break you in a thousand pieces and pull you down to hell in a moment. What he'd like to do. And he offers you all kinds of options and alternatives. He'll try to sell you off of God. He'll try to get you to, to, to just look at the gospel and say, I don't understand it or I'm not sure about it, and, and get you to put it off. He'll try to get you to disregard God. He'll try to get you to disobey everything that God has ever laid out. But I want you to understand that this great passage admonishes the devil's alternative is a sour batch of apples. It is not something we need to be tasting. It is not some place where we need to go. But instead, we need to say, that has been hatched in hell. That's from the devil. That's, that's not something that I ought to do at all. Let me tell you something. Whenever you sign up with God, whenever you go with God, you buy into the best option that you'll have on any day, any hour of the day. Well, my friends, we're going to have to interrupt right there because our time is just about gone for today. This message entitled So Much the More, and this is part one of it that you've heard today, is something that I think is very, very needed for our time. We'll hear the second part of it on the broadcast tomorrow. Let me just remind you that I do love to hear from our listeners, and it'll be my great joy and delight to get an email or a regular letter from you. So write to me today, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, until tomorrow, God bless you. Do have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now. <music>